thoughts. We all have triggers. We all have ways that we use these survival skills and they're good and they're necessary and they're wonderful and they can no longer serve us, in which case we can love on them and understand them and support them in a way that allows us to to do the opposite of self-abandonment, right? To, to re-support ourselves, to re-back ourselves. Um, and I think that's the journey of reclaiming ourselves in so many ways. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you're so right. Let's not use our awareness of the ways that we've abandoned ourselves as a way to criticize ourselves even more mm. because, you know, often we don't realize until afterwards. And so then in that moment, can we go with some humor like isn't that isn't that interesting if you know there is something deep inside of you that is yearning to be seen to be known and to have expression if there's something you need to reclaim and remember maybe it's your power your purpose your gifts this is the podcast for you welcome to reclaiming ourselves I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm honored to have three amazing co-hosts, Laura Shuk-Guzman, Belinda Hahn, and Emily Sikorsi, here with me on this journey to self-discovery. Every week, we're going to help you unravel and remember what it means to reclaim yourself, to own who you are, to recognize your innate worth and greatness. Now, this podcast is a deep dive into self-development, healing, and empowerment, so hold on, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to Reclaiming Ourselves. I'm so excited because I have Belinda Hahn in the studio with me today, and we're going to be unpacking a topic that is something I've explored a lot over, I'd say, the last, you know, 10 years in particular. And it's really this idea of self-abandonment, right? Like I think when we're looking at reclaiming ourselves, some of what we're reclaiming is the ways we've abandoned ourselves, right? Abandoned our purpose or abandoned our truth or abandoned our wisdom. And so that's what we're going to kind of explore today. And I'm very excited to do that. And so Belinda, welcome. And tell us a little bit about how can we start diving into this topic? Yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, I was saying before we pressed record that in the lead up to this episode, I've been watching all the ways that I abandoned myself so that I'm embodied in the, the felt sense of what that's like. But I thought it might just be worthwhile just exploring a definition around that. And the dictionary definition of abandonment, so there's nothing there about self-abandonment, but abandonment is to cease support of, to give up or relinquish control of, to surrender or to give oneself over. So if you look at that from a self-abandonment perspective, it's to cease support of ourselves, to give up or relinquish control of ourselves, to surrender or to give oneself over. Like some of that's really interesting, right? Like I can really see how self-abandonment is like to cease support of ourselves. But I also think like in a lot of self-development circles, right, we talk about surrendering as a beautiful thing, right? And surrendering and the way they talk about is very different than I think the good ways to surrender, right? So maybe we can kind of just pull that thread. Like what's the difference between surrendering and abandoning self? Yes, that's a great question because I think – I think that there's a balance between working out when to put effort in and when to surrender. Yeah. So it's that sort of 
that constant um, back and forth about that, which I guess is true for, for ourselves as well. And to me, the difference between surrender and abandonment, abandonment to me is really about not sort of having that quality relationship with ourselves. To me, it's a reflection on what is our relationship with ourselves and that foundation needs to be there before we're even thinking about what to surrender or what not to surrender. If if our relationship with ourselves is not there, then how do we know what to let go of and what not to? Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction. And I also feel like self-abandonment, at least in the ways that I've explored it and the ways that I've, you know, kind of unpacked it for my own life, they're really ways in which I dishonored my true self, right? Yes. Maybe I surrendered, but I surrendered because I felt like I had no choice or I surrendered to something that was misaligned with me, which is very different than the times I've surrendered for peace or I've surrendered as a conscious choice. And I think, you know, for me, that abandonment is really when I've surrendered something I didn't want to or shouldn't have. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, for me anyway, it's even just building awareness of what, in what ways we do this. (laughs) Because Mm. sometimes, I mean, I, I really feel like it was outside of my conscious awareness that I was even abandoning myself until I created a bit more space and was practicing mindfulness and sort of seeing the patterns and all of that sort of thing. So I think it's not always clear the moments that we do do that. And I think that self-abandonment for me, at least, it, it can be chronic in terms of just the, the habitual way that we, we act is leaving ourselves, believing, you know, other people matter more than our, ourselves, mm-hmm. never fulfilling our needs, all of that. So that can just be a chronic state of being that you know often we're not aware of but then there can be acute moments of self-abandonment when we've got something you know something's triggered us or activated us and then that's set off you know we go down the rabbit holes of different other defensive strategies and leave ourselves Mm -hmm. in that moment yeah and so what does it feel like, you know, because a lot of people probably haven't ever looked at it from this point of view, right? Maybe they kind of think, oh, I dishonored myself or, you know, maybe I left myself out of the equation or, you know, I put others above me. But self-abandonment, gosh, it just has this like particular feel. And so how do we recognize when we're doing that? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And I'm sure it's different for everybody, but in your experience, what does that look like? And then maybe I'll share in my experience as well. I think that the one way that is really easy for me to tell whether I'm abandoning myself is through my behavior. Mm. So people pleasing, (laughs) perfectionism, saying yes when I mean no. And, you know, even I'm sort of reflecting on the ways that I say yes when I mean yes, but I have no capacity to say yes as well. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good one. (laughs) And comparing myself to others and, you know, going into my head, actually, that's a really strong strategy that I've got. Um, Just sort of analyzing and ruminating and trying to fix and all of that sort of thing. And I think it all stems from my practice from a self-abandonment perspective is really about meeting the moment as it is in whatever shape that takes and particularly in relation to my emotional world and Mm -hmm. that not abandoning myself when emotions arise has been my 
continual practice because when difficult emotions arise, that is my core moment of self-abandonment because it feels too much. Um, I think because I, you know, wasn't necessarily held in those difficult emotions at different times that it makes me have a strong belief that, you know, this is evidence that there's something wrong with me or whatever. So it's in that moment of actual difficult emotions that I'm having to really look at what how I'm actually relating to myself in that moment because that emotion is coming up for me to meet it as a messenger and mm. whenever I turn away from that because you know and then get into my defensive strategies like people pleasing overworking all of those kind of things mm-hmm. it's really just to avoid that core emotion that's arising that feels too much yeah that's really interesting like I'm starting to kind of think what are all the ways like, you know, sometimes I don't notice self-abandonment patterns or big times I, I self, you know, abandoned myself until I look back over my life. Right. Yes. But in the moment, what can I feel? Right. What can I notice? And I do think when I'm in my head, when I'm not feeling, when I'm not trusting my gut, when I'm not asking myself, what do I want to do? What do I feel like sometimes there's like those automatic decisions we try to make, or I know for myself, I'm often trying to force myself to do tasks, to get things done, mm. right? And in that, I'm not checking in with myself to see, but what do I feel in this moment? I'm trying to push through whatever I feel in order to just like get this agenda done, right? Yes. And I feel like those are ways I abandon myself all the time, right? Instead of checking in with myself, like, do I feel like I need a rest? Do I feel like I need to take a walk? Do I feel like I need to do something in self-care? I'm just pushing myself to just Mm. meet some agenda that I have that's come from my head. And I think that's like a daily self-abandonment. And then of course, there's huge self-abandonments where I put other people over myself or I didn't listen to red flags or things that happened in my life. I didn't really listen to my gut and I you know, went ahead and did something major that had years of consequences, right? So uh, you know, I think there's these big moments and then there's these like micro daily moments and yes. Those are good to pay attention to. And I do feel like for me, I'm I'm more disconnected to my body. I'm more in my head. I'm not asking myself what I need mm. or what I want. Yes. And it really manifests for me as self-criticism as well. You know, mm. that just persistent voice that is judging me, res- you know, resisting my experience making meaning, trying to fix things, all of that Mm. um, really strong and loud voice of self-criticism that's been with me and really, I mean, with me my whole life, but only in conscious awareness in terms of the ways that it supports that self-abandonment over the last few years as I've become more sort of mindful of what's, what's happening internally. And that, that sort of persistent and hypervigilant judging of Mm. my behavior my inner world, my thoughts, the way that I'm with other people and the kids, like that, I mean, motherhood's been like self-criticism's just gone, um, flourished in that container. And that is like having a persistent judge just on everything. And, and I sort of talk about self-criticism, like having your, having poo colored glasses on instead of rose colored glasses. <laughs> Where the whole, where everything that you see is just all the ways that you're mm. failing. 
And that doesn't, that's not always um, the case, but I am becoming more aware that that is an indicator. When self-criticism is high, it's, mm. it's a messenger that it's time to connect with myself. What I have done before with self-criticism is like, I've just got to get rid of it because self-criticism is what pushes me into these behaviours that I'm not happy with, like overworking and people-pleasing, perfectionism and all that. It's sort of that is has been my avoidance of that self-criticism and all of the work that I've done to get rid of the self, the inner critic, like it's mm-hmm. been, yeah, there's been a great mission for me to get rid of that, that inner critic. But now I'm relating to that differently because I sort of see it now as like an innocent protector, innocent strategy that has kept me safe when I was younger, but it's not really relevant to my life anymore. So I can notice the self-criticism and sort of realize that that's a little messenger for me to connect in with my true self and and sort of it's a call back home if you like rather than something that I need to get rid of yeah I mean that's such an important thing in general right because when we criticize the self I mean that is abandoning self right Mm -hmm. you know where we're abandoning ourselves we're not supporting ourselves we're not backing ourselves right yes we're beating ourselves back in in a way or we're you know beating ourselves down instead of backing us and i love what you said because i think as we explore you know why do we abandon ourselves i think mostly because we're trying to survive right yes they're all survival strategies so you know it's not condemning ourselves it's not being like oh i abandoned myself again i'm so bad i'm so wrong i'm so, you know, that's yes. just more of that abandonment, but instead really loving ourselves and, and supporting ourselves and looking at what's happened that we felt we needed to ignore our needs or what survival mechanism have we used that's allowed us to, to live but like you said, is no longer serving us or is no longer relevant to our current state of being, you know, the more I learn about these survival responses, the more I learn about the nervous system, you know, we all have it and it's evolutionary biology. It's not based on how good or bad we are. It's not based on how self-developed and evolved we are. Like we all have this evolutionary biology inside of us. We all have triggers. We all have ways that we use these survival skills and they're good and they're necessary and they're wonderful and they can no longer serve us, in which case we can love on them and understand them and support them in a way that allows us to to do the opposite of self-abandonment, right? To to re-support ourselves, to re-back ourselves. Um, And I think that's the journey of reclaiming ourselves in so many ways. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you're so right. Let's not use our awareness of the ways that we've abandoned ourselves as a way to criticize ourselves even more Mm -hmm. because you know often we don't realize until afterwards and so then in that moment can we go with some humor like isn't that isn't that interesting you know Mm -hmm. that we've done that and you know like you said our nervous system really should be absolutely honored in this in this regard because our responses are automatic Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can feel like an extreme threat if we, you know, if we've triggered a memory from early childhood or it feels in that moment like that same threat. 
even Mm -hmm. though we can look around and say, you know, everything is actually fine. So honouring that our automatic response is not something we can control. We can't just say, I'm just going to be in the ventral vagal response yes. and just be all aligned. Like it just doesn't work like that. That's right. So that's when, right. when a threat comes, like that's a call to resource ourselves. And instead of judging ourselves, which trust me, I've done that, you know, why am I so activated and why is this still happening? You know, that can happen um, as well. Why is this still a problem or still an issue that I'm working with but it's actually just a call to resource ourselves so you Mm -hmm. know even what are the five things that I can see hear smell like using our senses feeling our feet against the floor you know even just uh, like I'm really trying to use compassionate touch you know when I'm feeling like triggered by something I'm just sort of doing you know just doing some gentle touch and you know putting your hand on your heart and saying Mm -hmm this is really hard. And, you know, we can connect with the fact that everyone experiences this. It's not just us. And I think that I was under the illusion that I had the strongest inner critic and no one else has has an inner critic like me. And that's just not true. And and you realise that actually we are all experiencing our own difficulties our own ways that we abandon ourselves like it is just part of being human it is you know Paul Gilbert talks about that you know our brain is just amazing for so many things but in a way there's so many design flaws (laughs) because we are just naturally looking out for threat and so that is what supports us to abandon ourselves and you know, there's there's a lot of other factors outside the nervous system that can really um, take us away from ourselves. Like if we're if we're parents with young children, we're caring so much, and so much of our attention goes outwards. Mm-hmm. Sleep deprivation, you know, family mm-hmm. stress. There's just there's a million reasons why we can abandon ourselves, and I guess there is no amount of inner work that will avoid that happening. <laughs> And there's no solution to this in terms of like there's no neat bow that you can put around yourself to say forevermore I've got self-intimacy and (laughs) self-compassion and I'm just going to always be present with allowing everything that happens. That's just not a realistic goal. But we can just have a reflection, an ongoing reflection. What is my relationship like with myself in this moment? Yeah. You know, what is it that I'm experiencing in my body? Like really listening to the body because the mind is so often in the past, the body is in the present. You know, the mind can be in the future as well, but the body is in the present moment and can be such an anchor for us. But if, like me, you've had a real strong pattern about being in your head and, you know, valuing that and intelligence and all that sort of thing, which is all wonderful, But in our times of suffering, the body is really our anchor and our source of wisdom and it's where we can reconnect with ourselves again. Yeah, I think it's so important. There was such a big aha when I started to recognize that in a lot of ways, I think self-development programs, self-development philosophies, like the self-development world has a lot of things not quite Right, right? Because Mm -hmm. 
I think a lot, lot of ideas that we have, I, I know I grew up, I mean, I've been in self-development circles since I was quite young. And so often I was taught that, you know, if you change your beliefs, you can change your responses. Yeah. If you just think differently, think positively, you know, it's like we, we're still coming through all this kind of brain activity. And when I understood that like my body is having survival responses that are not in my control, mm. right? So the autonomic nervous system is responding for my survival in my best interest, like for me, right? It is not abandoning me. It is serving me, right? When I kind of started to realize this, I realized, wow, you know, for so many years, I shamed myself for not being able to change my beliefs fast enough or not being able to like think my way out of a, a pattern that was happening or out of a, a way I was sabotaging myself. And there was such a huge aha when I realized, you know, that all the things you just said are true, that we have this evolutionary biology that is automatic, that we respond in the best interest of ourselves. And that per, like our nervous system is responding to perception, not reality, but to perception. So whatever we perceive as a threat is a threat. And so when I could, when I could see all of that, when I could understand all that, in many ways, I could stop judging myself. I could have more compassion and empathy for myself. And I think that helped me minimize the self-abandonment because I feel like judgment and pressure and um, the ways we lack compassion with ourselves, right? All that like perpetuates the self-abandonment. So, you know, we abandon ourselves for whatever reason to survive. And then we continuously beat ourselves up over and over and over again. And, you know, we just perpetuate that system. But the more I could recognize that like, oh, I'm human and there is no like, condition or state that I'm going to permanently end up in. I'm not going to be enlightened all of a sudden and not have reactions and not have responses and not feel threats. Uh, when I could really understand that, I feel like it changed the relationship to myself. And mm. and I'm nowhere near not self-abandoning myself, right? Like that just continues to be a thing. But I'm more aware and I can recover from that self-abandonment more easily. Mm, yes, that's beautiful. And, you know, I really resonate so deeply with that because I, you know, I've got a coaching psychology background, so you've just got to set a goal, you know, here's all the, all the things that you need to do. And, yeah. and, you know, that was working in some ways but not working in those really kind of sticky kind of things that, that, mm -hmm. um, that was present. And, you know, with, with the nervous system, honouring the intelligence mm -hmm. and turning towards listening to that intelligence. And that's not necessarily listening in terms of, okay, well, I'm going to hide because I'm scared. It's really just going, okay, I've got a bit of activation happening <laughs> within me. You know, how can I sort of resource myself in this moment Rather than, you know, what I have done many, many and continue <laughs> to do many times, even this morning, having a preference for things to be different. Mm. You know, I would really love it if I was in the ventral vagal response because then I'm going to be clear and articulate and everything like that. But the reality is, you know, I'm doing a podcast. There's a lot of activation happening in my nervous system right now. And, yep. and that's natural. Of course, that's natural. And what yeah. can I do? Can I feel my feet against the floor? And, you know, I think I've talked before about being highly sensitive, you know, yeah. highly sensitive people 
very connected to their nervous system, you know, but not necessarily wanting their nervous system bit to be as it is, you know, yes. because I, like there's a, that Brooke um, Thomas talks about my smoke alarm being, she talked about this in her, but this is true for me too. My smoke alarm is fixed, fixed too close to my cook chop. Wow. <laughs> but you know, but there's that sort of level of activation and threat that is, you know, is present and I'm building more capacity to be with that. I'm widening my window of tolerance all of the time through every moment that I turn towards my suffering rather than judging myself, resisting it, you know, all of those things that I habitually do, which is a very human response. Every time I'm sort of spending a few seconds with sadness or anger or, you know, meeting the moment with care and patience and curiosity like that is widening my ability to be with the nervous system and whatever response it's having in that moment yeah you know it's interesting because I was thinking you know when you were talking there was this this feeling of you know when we abandon ourselves we turn away from ourselves like there's actually like a, a feeling sense of that right when we turn away maybe the opposite of abandonment is is embracing ourselves right mm. or turning towards ourselves like i think just that on a feel sense level helps me kind of understand and explore like what am i doing in this moment am i turning away from myself or am I turning towards myself? And I think that's really helpful for me at least to look at that. It's like that there's some kind of anchor there that I can easily assess versus like I could get in my head and be like, I don't know, am I abandoning myself? Am I, yes. am I not abandoning myself? What does that look like? But really just feeling in this moment, in this experience, in this circumstance, am I turning towards myself with care? Or am I turning away from myself with, um, you know, disconnection or even with resistance. contempt? Yes. Or res resistance. Yes. yes. Aversion. And, yes. Yes. And so that feeling sense is really powerful, you know, because if I can turn more towards myself, and that doesn't mean like I'm all great and like I'm turning towards myself because I'm all happy and wonderful, right? That means turning towards whatever I'm experiencing, whatever I'm feeling, whatever's happening in my life. And if we start to define it that way, I can really see all the ways I abandon myself, right? All the times I turn away from myself because I feel it's too hard or because, you know, I don't want to navigate something or, you know, because it produces a reminder of what I think is unworthy in me or, mm. you know, and so it's like these little subtle ways I just kind of like turn away. What I want to do, what I want to practice, right, what I want to live is more turning towards myself, more embracing myself. Yes, I love that. Embracing ourselves just feels so lovely, doesn't it? Such an act of compassion. And I think, you know, a little way to just build our muscle in turning towards ourselves is just dropping into the felt and direct experience that we're having, you know, mm. like what is happening in my body? What are the sensations that I'm experiencing? And how do I feel about this being here? You know, that's it. That's what, cause I am like, but I've got a PhD in resistance. 
<laughs> you know, I just, you know, I, I cannot have it. I need to fix it. I need to just buy a course or, you know, do, do something to just make sure that this isn't here. But if I can just go, okay, what's actually happening in my body? I'm noticing there's a lot of resistance and can I allow resistance to be here too? Because that yeah. is just part of it and embracing ourselves and our experience in whatever is happening because I, I have found that my my greatest moment of self-abandonment is actually in the times that I'm having difficulty. It's yes. in the times that I'm really needing support. Yes. And that is the saddest thing, isn't it? Because in the times that we actually really need support, I'm not there. You know, I'm just, yeah. I've, left, I've gone off on left the, the building. Uh, yeah, I'm the labyrinth walker looking for all the solutions to to what's happening instead of just actually coming back to what's actually happening in this current current and present moment what's my experience how do I feel about my experience being here and looking at that and welcoming and loving the resistance too because that is there and that's really part of being human yes and you know this is like such a good point, I think, because, and I think we talk about this a lot in this podcast, right? So often, I think we kind of project onto what self-development is, what personal growth is, is like this place to get perfect, right? Or to, to, to get to a place where we don't have difficult emotions or when we don't have difficult experiences or when, when we're enlightened or embodied or, you know, and, and yet really what it is about is embracing whatever it is, right? The good and the bad and the ugly and the, and the wonderful and the, like every single experience that we have embracing it all. That's a very, very different perspective than I think we traditionally think of growth or development. And, you know, I, I've been exploring kind of this idea around embodiment, right? I mean, for so long, I thought, oh, to be embodied is to be feeling everything and to be centered and to be wonderful. Like, and being embodied is like the thing I want to achieve, right? And then as I started to kind of unpack that and explore the ways I perceive that, I realized like we are embodied all the time. Like we have patterns that are fully embodied, right? Our good patterns and our sabotaging patterns, they are fully embodied. So the problem is not that we're not embodied. Maybe it's about being more consciously embodied, right? Maybe it's being more connected, but that really kind of flipped the switch for me of the way that I look at self-development and enlightenment and embodiment. I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing embodiment all the time, just maybe not in ways that are aligned with who I want to be. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we have these challenges that come up. And like you said, it's already present in the body, the challenge. <laughs> and then what we do is habitually, well, me anyway, resist and judge and make meaning and catastrophize and seek solutions, make mm -hmm. meaning, all of that. And that's actually the unnecessary suffering that we do yeah. for ourselves and that's when we actually self-abandon as opposed to just, you know, let's just slow things down, what's actually happening and, and realising the intelligence of, of the experience and, mm -hmm. and, that, and that even like in the difficulty, it's a messenger. It's actually just a call back home. I mean, we might have a preference about it not being there, a really strong preference at times, but, you know, anger, 
self-criticism, all everything that is in our experience is, is especially the difficult things, all of the um, negative thoughts we've got about ourselves, they're all just a messenger to come back to an innate wholeness that mm-hmm. is always present, always whole and complete and joyful and accepting regardless of what content is happening, what our emotions are, what our thoughts are, what's happening in our external environment. It's like this this haven that we can come back into regardless of what's what is our experience exactly exactly I love that I just think this is such a an important topic because when we can recognize how we abandon ourselves or what that feels like what that looks like then we can just choose to start turning towards ourselves, right? In the smallest of micro moments. And so maybe let's talk a little bit about that. You know, how do we start to choose connection or choose to turn turn towards ourselves or choose to embrace ourselves? And I think one of the things that sometimes happens too is when we when we choose to reconnect, right? Or to re-embrace ourselves, sometimes there can be some emotion, some latent emotions there. You know, maybe we feel the pain of the abandonment Mm. that we did, right? Like I definitely know that sometimes when I have been abandoning myself, disconnected, right? I've been in my head. When I finally feel something again, when I let myself drop back into my body, you know, there can be sadness and, you know, loss and grief even, at the ways that I did turn away from myself and it just like rises up instantly. And, you know, if I let myself feel it, then I go through that and then I can be more reconnected. But I think those are things that, you know, not a lot of people talk about. Yes. And inner child work is so powerful, you know, in this, in this way of being able to, and, and I remember when I first started inner child work, I, I really had a terrible relationship with my inner child and was really, yeah, just an adverse adverse relationship. But as we sort of connect in with the innocence of of our inner child and the ways that we weren't supported or it didn't have our needs met, you know, through no fault, you know, everyone's trying their best, but there's different situations that happen. That's a way for us to turn towards our experience by creating intimacy with our inner child. And, and just generally building our self-awareness. Like I really think self-awareness is just so core and critical to this and to generally reclaiming ourselves. If we're not building our, our knowledge about ourselves, our quirks, you know, the things that activate us into self-abandonment, you know, our strengths, if we're not having intimacy with who we are as a person, then how can we know? Yeah. <laughs> when when we've abandoned ourselves or even what we want from life you know that self-awareness is just so critical and that that can just simply be having a journaling practice and I know you yeah. and I just love that just mm-hmm. writing every day and with no purpose just to sort of really be able to see what's actually happening and you can be so alarmed by the thoughts <laughs> and by the criticism and everything but isn't it better to know because it's already happening but by bringing it to the surface and really understanding ourselves and our habits and our conditions and our strengths and all the things that we need to thrive and flourish as opposed to all the things that drain our energy without building that ongoing in a dialogue about what what who we are and what we need 
it's really impossible to sort of be able to discern when we've abandoned ourselves or not. Yes. And I think, you know, even that daily practice, even creating the space. So, you know, sometimes when I am not abandoning myself, I'm creating space every day for journaling or sitting somewhere. Like doesn't, sometimes I don't even journal, but just sitting not staring at my phone, not trying to get something done, not having an agenda, but just sitting, looking out at the world, drinking my coffee, right? Just giving myself that time is resourcing myself. It is embracing myself. It is honoring myself. And magic happens even if I don't journal, even Mm -hmm. if there's nothing that comes out. It's like something happens when I just drop into just being without an agenda and you know, just allowing myself to be and allowing myself to sit that magically reclaims myself again, that magically reconnects. And like I said, sometimes there's emotion there if I felt really disconnected. And this is a constant process I go through. Like I abandon myself a lot. And I think we all do. We we don't have a world that honors embracing ourselves. Like the whole world teaches us in so many ways to dishonor, disregard, disconnect to who we are and what we need in service of whatever agenda, you know, the world has in all these different ways. And so just giving yourself that, you know, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, that is just space to be is quite a gift. And I find that when I start that process, I reconnect in such a powerful way that a lot of things flow better in my life. And when I don't allow that process and I abandon what I need in so many ways, then everything's more clunky and everything's more challenging and everything's harder. Mm, Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think we've got very similar defensive strategies in terms of that. And back to, I think, one of your original questions about what is the felt experience of self-abandonment? Like one Mm. of the felt experiences that I have is a racing, you know, Mm. just that inner racing and feeling very busy and like, I've just got to get things done and blah, blah, blah. I need all, I've got all this stuff on. And even though it's the opposite of what you want to do, that is a call to slow down and have a Mm -hmm. bit of connection because that racing is from a threat response. That's right. (laughs) And even though we just in that moment, I know, do not want to stop and have 20 minutes to ourselves or whatever. That's just the last thing that we want to do because we feel so busy. But that is actually, I know overwhelmed, but that's actually what is required in that moment to reconnect. And then all of that other stuff becomes easier and you become more productive and all of that. Um, But that's just a really practical way that I notice just that racing and busyness and just the feeling of not having enough time. Yeah, I I feel like I'm haunted by my to-do list. Like, like I feel like it's like this monster chasing me all the time. And the the interesting part that I'm learning about myself, and I feel like it's relevant to this as well, is when I feel it's chasing me, when I feel like I've got too much to do and like I'm totally out of my body, I'm not dropping in to check in with myself at what, what really needs to be done. Where do I really need to focus? So I'm spinning or I'm avoiding, right? Like I'm either spinning and nothing's getting done either. Like I'm racing, but not getting anywhere right on that rat wheel. Or I'm like completely resisting and distracting myself in about a thousand ways Whereas if I just took that 10 minutes to to drop in or 20 minutes to drop in and feel where am I at, what what do I really need right now, then I think, yeah, everything would flow so much more smoothly. 
And I do think that that the majority of us are in response. Like we're we're in reaction. We're in our survival, our fight and flight or appease or, you know, whatever it is that are kind of our survival strategies. I think we're living in that all the time and we're normalizing it. It's normal. This is just normal. Mm. This is just what we experience every day. This is what we're practicing. But they're all mechanisms that are being activated. And so I think it's so important to just become aware. Like you, know, like you said, I think self-awareness is the key here. We're really just looking at how do we have more self-awareness around what it feels like for us, what the patterns are for us, what triggers us to self-abandon, and how do we have more awareness too of when we can embrace ourselves and what that looks yes, like. Yes, yes. And and dropping below the behavior. So my behavior of overworking, for example, below that is a sense of unworthiness. Like I need yeah. to prove myself. I need to achieve things externally to be okay. You know, I need to get the validation of others to be okay. So I've got to quickly work, 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 like make sure I'm, you know, overthinking it, perfecting it, everything like that. <laughs> And that just sort of keeps me in that real um, drive, overwhelm state. Um, so dropping below the behavior to sort of really understand what's actually below this. And back to your point about turning towards ourselves and saying, oh, you know, of course, you know, we all feel unworthy at times. And can I just be with that for a moment with gentleness and connection to the fact that we all feel like this sometimes? Yeah. I love that. I mean, we have to wrap up for today. I mean, I feel like this is such a a big topic. And we could, I think we could have like a whole series just on this. But I think what I've taken away from today is really that feeling of acknowledging and noticing and becoming more aware of when do I turn away from myself and when do I turn towards myself? And, you know, I really appreciate, you know, this conversation because I think it's really highlighted that for me. Anything you'd like to kind of finish out with before we wrap up? Yes. I'd just like to offer this Rumi quote, which is just, is an ongoing contemplation for me. And I think it really relates to this, um, this episode. It is not my purpose to seek love. It is my purpose to seek the barriers, patterns, and beliefs that stop love from flowing in. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. And I think that definitely relates to self-love as Mm. well. Yes. Thank you so much, Belinda, for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week. Hi, it's Belinda. I hope you were able to get some little nuggets of wisdom or maybe some seeds of compassion through this episode. If you would like to learn more about this topic, you can sign up to my newsletter at belindahan.com. Have an amazing day and I hope to see you next time. Yay!